Hello, amazing parents and caretakers, and welcome to the Pumped Up Parenting Podcast. I'm your family empowerment coach, Celia Kibler. I'm a mom of a blended family of five kids. I'm a grandma of nine kids, an author, a teacher, a speaker, and a consultant with over 40 years of training and real-life parenting experience. I'm here to offer you practical, doable tips, strategies, and techniques that will pump up your parenting skills and create peace, love, and laughter throughout your family. In addition, I'll be interviewing some great humans that are on a mission to make your life a better, happier, and healthier life. So let's not waste any time and get started with the next episode of the Pumped Up Parenting Podcast. Thanks for listening. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Pumped Up Parenting Podcast. I'm here today with Debbie Weiss. And Debbie and I have been talking off this podcast all about the importance of caring for someone else but never forgetting the need to care for yourself. You know, the old adage, you can't pour from an empty cup is true. You can't pour from an empty cup. And I remember when my mom was sick with ALS before she passed away and I needed to take care of her, there were a lot of things I had to make sure that were in place in my life so that I was able to care for her properly and care for her with energy and a smile on my face and and making sure that she was feeling the love and the need to put her load on me without feeling like, oh, I'm being a burden, which so many people feel like. They feel like, you know, I can't believe this happened. I'm being such a burden. And me and my siblings and my dad, we really worked to helpfully give my mom peace of mind that she was not a burden on us, even though I know often she felt like that. But Debbie comes to you because this is what she's been doing for years and years and years. She has been caring for her disabled son. She's been caring for her father. She's cared for her husband. She's cared for almost everyone important in her life until she realized that she was forgetting to care for herself. And that brings us to her business of the Caregiver Support Squad, why she decided to do this and why it is such a necessary part of our well-being while helping others protect their well-being. So, Debbie, welcome to the Pumped Up Parenting Podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Celia. I'm so happy to be here to share my uh, my story and the important information with your audience. So tell me a little bit about your journey as far as taking care, taking care of everyone in the world, pretty much your child, your father, your husband, and where along the way you were like, whoops, I forgot somebody, me. <laughs> sure. So my caregiving journey started the day after I graduated from high school. I was 17, and my father, who had just turned 46 at the time, had a massive stroke. And he survived and lived for 30 years. However, my parents were divorced, and I'm the oldest, so I was his caregiver for 30 years. He never lived with me, but I was his person. 
I, you know, I was the one who handled his bills and where he lived and food shopping and, you know, just everything, anything he needed, I, I was there. And then I had my oldest son when I was 37 and at around 15 months old, he was diagnosed with developmental delays and that diagnosis turned into autistic spectrum disorder. And then we added ADHD and depression, anxiety, and most recently about three or four years ago, bipolar two disorder. And he is about to turn 21 and he does not, he's not able to go to school or hold a job. So he is, uh, he's disabled. And then my husband became permanently disabled due to a variety of mental and physical ailments and illnesses about three or four years ago. So eight years ago, when I turned 50, my friends said, okay, enough is enough. We are taking you away for your birthday. Oh my goodness, how was I going to leave? How was I going to leave everybody? Even if it was just for two nights, they'll never survive without me. But I did it and it was amazing. I, in my whole adult life, I never knew what it was like to only worry about myself or to even worry about myself. It was shocking when it was, well, Deb, what do you want to do? Where do you want to eat? what? Um, and it was, it was the best couple of days that I've ever had. And when I came back from that trip, subconsciously, I didn't come back and say, okay, it's time to make a change. But obviously that, you know, the feelings that I had, I really liked and I resonated with me. And over the past eight years, I've slowly incorporated different types and forms of self-care into my life while still caring for my son and my husband. My, my father has since passed away. And I have really found transformation in how I show up, how I show up for everybody, including myself. And I realized that as caregivers, since I experienced it myself, we always put ourselves last and that's, uh, that's no good for us. And in the end, it's no good for those that you're caring for. Cause just like you said, you have to have something in your tank before you can give it to somebody else. Your cup has to be filled first. For you, you were so young when you started caring for your dad. So you really did put your life on hold for so long. And it's quite the blessing that your friends did this for you. And also quite the blessing that you decided to go because I'm sure that was quite the conflict for you. Well, I would love to go, but should I go? And I'm glad they were there to give you probably the extra push that said, yes, you absolutely should go. And it's not forever. And you deserve this. So tell our listeners a little bit about once you had that wonderful weekend, what changes did you make in your life when you got back? 
What did you stop doing or what did you start doing? So for me, weight has always been an issue. Um, definitely emotional eater and with every every trauma or next challenge, it was always, you know, I abused food. This is what I need. This is what soothes me. And over the years, I mean, it's literally since the day I was born. So over the years, I've gained and lost, you know, a thousand plus pounds, just like many of us. And I finally realized that's where I started because I said to myself, you know what? If I don't physically feel good, that permeates, that feeling permeates into every area of my life. And so for the first time ever, I realized I can't just go on a diet. It has to be a complete lifestyle change. And I didn't put any time limit on it. I didn't say, you know, by the summer for this wedding, those type of things, however long it takes. And I've got to do something that I can live with. And so for me, I did, that was my first area. And I have to say eight years later, I'm still working on it. So <laughs> it's a work in progress, but I did make a lot of progress, but slowly over, over several years. And so exercise for me, you know, I guess that can go along with it. It's something that I've always enjoyed, but I, in that whole time frame, I've had some back surgeries and hip replacements and stuff that kind of was always every time I two steps forward, you know, three steps back. That's where I started. You know, your health is one of the best places you can start. I know exercising for me because. I, I own a kid's fitness company, so I would teach classes five, six days a week, two and a half to three hours every day. So exercise was never an issue until COVID hit and those classes stopped and I suffered a heart attack back in the summer of 2020 and like everything changed and I'm not good at actually scheduling, even though I own a fitness company. I'm not good at scheduling my own fitness because I'm so used to just it happening every day. I never came home and like did a video or worked out with weights or anything like that. I didn't say never, but most of the time I didn't because I just worked out for three hours with kids running around, jumping around, probably more aerobic than most people do. So, you know, I'm tired, you know, so I didn't want to do something else. So now I have to rethink and purposely start exercising and moving because now I'm only teaching classes one day a week. I have someone else who's teaching. I am coaching full-time and sitting full-time, which is a huge change for me. So do you find yourself with all these schedules and all these obligations and your work and helping everyone else that you are scheduling in your priorities so that they get done or are you just are they just into a routine so it always i think anytime you make a change if you don't schedule it's not going to happen right we always say oh yeah i need to exercise more well you can't be that general so yes i was scheduling things in until they became 
routine. And then I would either change or um, add something new. I recently, a few, a couple of months ago now, I added a different, I changed up my exercise routine. And uh, it, it, it took a while to get used to now what I was, now what I am doing, which is actually three mornings a week, taking a 6 a.m. class, 15 minutes from my house. So I was there this morning. <laughs> at That's awesome. 45. <laughs> That's very awesome. That's very early. That's my coffee time. <laughs> but you know what? You have to find what works for you, right? Exactly. Other- That's the thing. It is not one size fits all. Exactly. And you know, that's so true because I have people that will say to me all the time, well, I like to exercise in the morning. If I don't exercise in the morning, I'm not exercising. And I, for a while, I thought that's what I have to do. I have to exercise every morning. And then I realized that that's not how I work. I mean, other than if I'm going off to teach morning classes, that's different. But I like to have my coffee and I like to do all my social posting that I need to do for my business in the morning with my coffee. And then I schedule in my exercise breaks throughout the day. And then they get done because morning exercise, unless I'm teaching a class, I am not going to get up early and go. I mean, I have, I live in the DC metro area and I live in Baltimore and my classes are in DC. And for anyone that knows about living in this area or any other highly congested area, for me to go from one city to another city and sometimes to another state in Virginia, I have to plan ahead. But getting up in the morning and like having an option of doing my sitting in my couch, sitting sitting on my couch, not actually in it, <laughs> with my coffee and doing the social posting that I do in my Tranquility Tribe, which is my pay coaching group and all my other groups. That just works for me in the morning. And then I get it done. And then it's not two in the afternoon and I haven't done that stuff yet. So it's all what works for you. And that's what you have to find. Now you help others do what you had to learn to do after many years of doing for everyone else. What are the ways that you go about helping other people to find their own self-care so that they can take care of others? So right now I have a free Facebook community uh, for all types of caregivers and we're in there to support each other and hold each other accountable to our self-care goals. And like you just said, I can't say what your goal is and you can't say what my goal is or how long or what time of day. I mean, honestly, it's trial and error, right? Sometimes it's an experiment. Sometimes we do something and if it's not going to serve you in the long run, it's not going to happen. So just like you said, okay, you found out mornings do not work for you. Well, let's try something else. And so that's, that's where it starts. In addition, I am launching some coaching opportunities and I will have weekly accountability groups 
so we can each be more specific because I know for any change that I've ever made, and it's, it's um, scientifically proven, if you put it out there in the universe, whether you tell somebody else, or even if you post it on social media, and you think that other people are going to come back to you and say, hey, how is that exercise program going, that you are going to be more accountable, because it's not just holding yourself accountable, and nobody knows about it. Exactly. Because when that happens, you're like, okay, well, didn't do it today. Oh, well. <laughs> yep. I Nobody knows. Exactly. <laughs> when, so I'm dating myself, but before smoking was as terrible as it is now, I was a, a teenage smoker. My parents both smoked. And I, as I was in, got into my twenties, it was, you know, becoming no longer the right thing to do, but I just couldn't, I loved it. So I got sick, mono, and I said to myself, oh my God, I'm smoking this cigarette and I'm hacking up a lung. This is ridiculous. Let me just try not to smoke a cigarette for two hours. And that's what I did. And then I extended half a day, a whole day. But the whole time I remember making a conscious decision, I'm not going to let anybody know that I'm doing this because I'm not really so sure that I'm going to quit smoking. And it wasn't until day six. And I said, this is it. I know if I put it out there, I am quitting. But it took six days. Uh, and, and you know, it allows us to, to make excuses. If we don't have to hold ourselves accountable, or if anyone else doesn't hold us accountable, we're able to make excuses for why it's not happening. And those baby steps, like you said, are so important. You didn't say, okay, I'm going to quit smoking. I'm done. You said, I'm going to stop smoking for two hours. And that is so important that because so often we are overwhelmed by these major decisions that we've made in our life. And you look at something and you're like, I, I can't possibly do that. I, I just can't possibly do that. But if you break it down and say, can I do it for five minutes? Yeah, maybe I can do it for five minutes. Even it has to do with like taking care of clutter in your home. You know, when walking in a room that has somehow become a storage closet instead of a bedroom and you're like, I, I don't even know what where to begin. But can you set an alarm for 10 minutes and say, go in there, take care of this little pile or this box for 10 minutes. When that alarm goes off, walk out of that room and close the door. And if you do that every day, before you know it, that change is going to be a permanent change and it's going to make a big difference. That's the thing is that people think, oh, that's not going to be make a big difference. I'm only doing, you know, one, 10 minutes of cleaning a day it'll never amount to anything. But like you said, those 10 minutes add up. Look, in a whole week, you've done over an hour. And think of how what that equates to in a year, you know, and I always think to myself, what am I saying? What am I going to be saying a year from now? Oh, if I had only done that for 10 minutes a day, exactly. my room would be clean. Right. Because if we go the overwhelm route, where we walk in and we're like overwhelmed by it and we close the door and we walk out, 
nothing gets accomplished. Nothing gets done. And you're six months into it going, oh, look, it looks the same or worse. Had I just started that 10 minutes, I mean, think about it, guys. If you're listening right now and you're like, that's, that's not such a bad idea. What can you do right now, today, tonight, whenever you're listening to this, that you can get started on for just 10 minutes? And I really, really want to impress upon you to set a timer. And when that 10 minute timer goes off, you walk away and you go about your business. You do not allow yourself to get overwhelmed. And that's the same for self-care. There's a lot of great thing, exercise. There's a lot of great videos on YouTube. I, you know, I, I always talk about this one woman and her company because I think her videos are great. And as a fitness professional and a nutritionist and a personal trainer for children, I do her videos. I could do my own, but she has great videos and they're seven minutes long and you can focus on, and it's called Svelte, S-V, like Victor, E-L-T-E, training. She doesn't pay me anything. She doesn't even know I say this unless she happens to listen. But I do it because her stuff is really good and it's all, it's not like high impact if you're just getting into exercise, but they're short. You can schedule in 10 minutes. And if you do two of them a day, you've done 20 minutes of exercise a day. And it's absolutely proven, guys, that you can have exercise in short segments. It doesn't need to be two hours, which is overwhelming. Nobody wants to do that. (laughs) Some people (laughs) want to do that. I shouldn't say nobody. Everybody to each your own. But so this is a great way to get started on your self-care. And like Debbie said, find what it is you need to start doing and take that baby step. What other advice do you have for people, Debbie? Well, so you know what? Your example of cleaning your room is self-care. It's a form of self-care that we don't think about. We always think about get enough sleep, drink a lot of water, you know, the physical end of it. But there are so many other aspects of self-care. Just think about how good you feel when your space is clean. And actually, this is something that I'm trying to do right now is I realize my bedroom, I want it to feel like a haven. It doesn't. It feels gross right now. And that's my goal. And that is my self-care goal. So don't just limit your thinking to that it does have to do with the physical. It can be financial. You know, you have a lot of listeners who are parents. Does everybody have a will? If you have children, you should have a will. Maybe you're thinking, oh, I have time. Oh, I'm only 40. You know, it doesn't feel good, especially when you hear a story of a tragedy. You don't want that to be you. Once you have something in place that you feel, you know, you it's a sense of security that you know that that thing is taken care of. So I would say to expand your thinking about what is self-care. Exactly. What are you procrastinating on? And you said a will. I'm always telling my clients, honestly, that they need to not just make a will, but who do you have to be the guardians for your children? 
You know, Bill, it's never going to happen to me. It's never going to happen to me. Guys, I am a fitness person. I eat really well. I am not obese. I do not smoke. I do not drink. I do not do drugs. I don't have diabetes. None of these indicators that would have said heart attack. And yet, in the summer of 2020, I suffered a heart attack that almost killed me. A piece of plaque broke off in the main artery to my heart, blocked that artery 98%. And had I not called the ambulance, and I'm pretty sure I only did that because I was with my grandchildren and I felt like I was going to faint, I may not be here today. And no indicators, nothing. I remember the cardiologist walking in while I was laying there the morning after I had my heart attack. And she goes, you look great. And I'm like, well, thank you. Except that I just had a heart attack. (laughs) I mean, luckily I kind of find humor and everything, but she goes, no, you don't understand. You look great. You do not look like people that suffered the type of heart attack you just suffered. And I'm like, and yet I did. So don't think that it can happen to you. It can happen to anyone. So if these things have kind of been on the pile of your desk in the procrastination pile, attack them now. Clutter in your home, clutter is chaos. Chaos is stress. If you've just had a long day caring for somebody and you walk in your home and your home is all cluttered and you're like, I really need to clean. And then that stresses you out. Like, let's not add stress on stress. Absolutely. Absolutely. There is just so many different things. I mean, another form of self-care is listen to a a funny, funny podcast or listen to a, uh, even not that I, I think scrolling on social media is the best thing, but, you know, watch a funny meme or, or something that just kind of releases that stress, you know, that's a form of emotional self-care or feel your feelings. You know, like I said, I've been an emotional eater. What's that do? It's pushing my feelings down because I don't want to feel those painful feelings, right? I I can think of that, especially when it comes to my son. Um, You know, it doesn't, it didn't feel good. So I'd rather not feel it. And you got to feel it because if you don't feel it when it happens, eventually you're going to feel it. (laughs) Exactly. And it may even be like journaling, you know, get yourself a journal and just start writing things down. Journaling is so therapeutic. And if you want to say something to someone, say you want to say something to the person you're caring for, but you can't say it because they don't need that on top of what they're going through. Write them a letter. In a journal, you don't have to mail the letter, but you write the letter and it will get it out of you and on paper and it doesn't have to be shared with anyone and super therapeutic and you will feel so relieved. There is so many aspects to self-care and what it means to you. And if you just don't know where to start, guess what? Debbie the Wonderful is here to help you. And yes, Debbie, laughter really is the best medicine. (laughs) Oh, I'm (laughs) all about that. The other thing is, don't be so quick to say, I don't do that. Because I, that was me. My doctor with my back issues, 
you can't play tennis anymore, Deb, but this is all I want to do. Nope, you yoga. I don't do yoga. I hate yoga. That yoga is not for me. For every year, I would walk into his office and he'd be like, yoga, yoga or swimming? Nope, nope. Going in, getting in a bathing suit, having to worry about my hair and my makeup. That's way too much. Yoga, I don't do. Um, once I finally did it, I still didn't really like it, but it did really help my back. So uh, for all those years, all I kept saying was, nope, I don't do that. Nope, I don't journal. Nope, I don't meditate. Well, you know what? Now I meditate every morning and do write in a journal and I do do yoga, but for years, nope, that's not me. That's not me. So I think you really have to have an open mind because otherwise you'll never see the possibility you could discover something that you really enjoy, but you're closed off to it. What's the worst thing that can happen? You don't like it and you move on. Exactly. You know, people will be like, well, I don't know where to start. Well, then start where you don't know where to start. Start where you think, oh, you know, a lot of people are doing this. But I, I don't know. I, it see, you know, it seems silly. I, I created a whole yoga program for kids. And I did it because so many yoga programs for kids are like adult yoga classes, which are boring for a lot of people, except that we do it because it makes us feel good. Children don't want to do things that are boring. So my yoga class, I can have kids in my yoga class for 45 minutes. And I guarantee you, all of them are participating. All of them are having fun and all of them are getting the benefits of yoga. And I've, I can't even tell you how many parents I've had in there that are like, this is the best yoga class. I would take this yoga class because it's, Yoga is also more a lifestyle than an exercise, and people don't know that. But laughter is important. You know, find a comedy to watch on TV. You need to just chill out. Find somebody stand up. Do some laughter is so distressing. Take a walk. Go ride a bicycle. Go outside and sit outside. Sit outside in the fresh air. Plant a garden. Do you know how therapeutic gardens are? Plus, ladies, they're extremely beneficial to ward off osteoporosis because you get vitamin D from the sun naturally. It's free. And gardening is a stress-bearing exercise, so also good for your bones. So, And it's very relaxing if you like to garden. Right. There again, some people don't like to garden. So, you know, or... Maybe you don't want a whole garden. Maybe you just want to grow a piece of celery, which yeah. grows much faster than other plants. And I had a good time growing vegetables. <laughs> and just start with one. Start with one chunk of celery and grow it. You know, it's, it's all about finding what works for you and finding that peace of mind when you finally decide to do something for yourself instead of really spreading every piece of energy you have on others. And so I think, I think, ahead, I think um, you know, I would say that a common barrier and certainly with busy parents is time, right? I don't have time for self-care. I don't have time for any of that. But yet it's amazing how we 
waste time in different ways. And one of the things that I always said no to and I thought was silly was uh, a gratitude journal or a gratitude practice. And I thought, oh, gosh, what, what am I supposed to say? I'm grateful for the sun. I mean, you know, I really, I had a bad attitude. Yes, <laughs> like you I are just, supposed to I say. Just, <laughs> I thought it was dumb, to be honest with you. And then back in November, somebody gave me an actual gratitude journal for a gift. And so I'm like, okay, I have to try it. They were nice enough to give this to me. So I have to, you know, and it just had a few prompts and it, it, you have to fill it out in the morning and in the evening. And I, of course, just like I just described, don't say no. I found it does make a difference. I've also found I'm looking for things throughout my day to say what I'm grateful for. So tonight, Celia, you'll be in my journal, just so you know. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> that I'm grateful for this conversation. Or last night when I was walking the dog, I'm like, oh my goodness, look at that bright star. Of course, then I realized it was an airplane. But, you know. But also grateful for them. Also, that's right. <laughs> that's right. And, and it is uplifting. And since I have it on my mind, it's with me throughout the day, because I am thinking, oh, this is something I could write in my journal tonight. And when I think about that, it makes me smile. And it really does change an attitude. I am all about gratitude and it really will change your attitude. Just like you said, Debbie, it, it changed your whole outlook. You spend your day looking for things to be grateful for instead of looking for things that are causing you stress and making you depressed and down and non-appreciative. So yeah, gratitude is awesome. Yeah. So Debbie, as much as we could probably talk and talk and talk, yes. can you please tell our listeners who are now like, oh, I really need to talk to this wonderful human, how they can reach out to you and find you? Sure. So I have a website, it's www.caregiversupportsquad.com. And um, on the website, there is a link to the free Facebook group and a link to, I also have a free guide of, you know, some life hacks to find time for self-care and a link to a wait list for the membership. And then of course, a contact, which will email me directly. Wonderful. And I will put caregiversupportsquad.com in the description of this podcast. And of course, you know, Instagram and all those places. Social platforms. (laughs) Wonderful. And I'm so glad you're doing this because so many people need it. And we are, we as even mothers are so nurturing and so willing to give, give, give that we forget that we're losing ourselves by giving everything. And sometimes you need to say no. That, that's a big self-care thing is you need to sometimes just say no. That was another hard one for me. I'm still yeah. a work in progress with that one. But absolutely, setting boundaries is uh, one of the best forms of self-care. Yes, and, and remembering that we are a work in progress. 
We are all a work in progress. You can learn something new every day. You can make a change in something every day. Remember, we're always a work in progress. None of us are perfect. None of us are mind readers. We're all human. So live your best human life. And Debbie, I'm really excited that you are here. Thank you for sharing all your wisdom. Well, again, thank you for having me and uh, love our conversation. And I could, I could talk to you for the rest of the day. So (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry, but I understand why you have to stop. (laughs) And as always, I wish you days filled with peace, love, tons of laughter. It really is the best medicine. And I'll see you here next time on our next episode of the Pumped Up Parenting Podcast. Bye-bye, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Pumped Up Parenting Podcast. Be sure to head over to pumpedupparenting.com to grab your free copy of the Patient's Playbook. Wishing there was a manual for your toddler? Well, good news, now there is. You can pick up your copy of Raising Happy Toddlers, How to Build Great Parenting Skills and Stop Yelling at Your Kids, my newest release on Amazon today. Tune in next time for more tips, advice, and strategies as you continue to pump up your parenting and create childhoods that everyone can blossom from. Have yourself a really fun day. Bye-bye.